good. Good. All right. Uh, well, why don't we get started? Um, Dan and Aaron. Dan, do you want to... I think, I think it would be good for Aaron to introduce, since uh, Aaron is one of Mark's former pupils. <laughs> All right. Well, hello, guys. Welcome to the Design Intent for a talk with my ex-professor, Mark Kimbrough. Um, we're going to be picking his brain about design and, you know, teaching and uh, a few other design adventures that's, that he's had over the years. Um, I am Aaron. And let me introduce you to Daniel, Tony, and Mark Kimbrough. Awesome. Thanks, Aaron. And yeah, Mark, thanks for thanks for coming in and talking to us. Really appreciate it. Um, you know, I think one of the cool things I think you know, getting to talk to you just now because you you had your own business. I know you had a design firm here in Austin for a really long time, uh, and so you've kind of seen a lot of the different sort of ins and outs of design and the different types of people that come in and out of design. And now you're teaching. It'd be interesting to see you know, kind of comparing and contrasting like the, the, the new designer, uh, starting back when you were, you know, running a design firm compared to what you're seeing the new designers today that you guys are starting to produce at university of Houston. Well, that's true because, uh, it's in terms of like the technical skills, like, uh, the tools are very different. So maybe you can tell us why, what things are the same and what things are different? Well, you know, when I first came over to teach, um, I mean, it was a very conscious decision. I was at a, uh, kind of another crossroads of my career and I love kind of reinventing myself every four or five, six years. And so that kind of fit into the plan and my wife also kind of encouraged it. Like you've always talked about one, which one should go do it. And um, so, I mean, on one level, the first couple of years I was here, I spent a lot of time just really getting pissed off because the, you know, I would see the students kind of floundering and, uh, I didn't see a whole lot of dedication and I'm speaking in generalities here, of course. Um, and I would, I would push and push and push. And, and it's just that, you know, I love designing. I mean, it's just inherent to my DNA. Now I can't, I can't get through a day. I'm an addict. I can't get through a day without a fix, a design fix of some kind. And I just didn't, I, I didn't feel that kind of energy or that type of, uh, commitment and so the, the one thing that I that I have learned over the past several years is that there's one thing I can't teach and that's passion right? I can't teach passion I can I can be an example uh, I can try to be an example but at the end of the day it's really up to the individual to, to make that commitment and be passionate about it and the way that this program at least historically was set up and it's changing and changing in a very good way. Uh, but historically, uh, we would get a lot of architecture students in the first year coming over to ID 
because, you know, architecture is just too hard. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? I mean, so ID is easy? You know, it's like, no. I mean, if you're going to want to, you know, get out and get a job and be competitive, you're not just competing against your classmates. You're competing against other universities and hundreds of other students, if not thousands of other students. So it really takes a, a real commitment to this career to make it for you to be successful. And uh, so that's, that's, that's one thing. I, I've, I've, I've come to terms with it. I've settled down quite a bit. <laughs> uh, no more door slamming. Uh, but, you know, I think, I think it is a, I think a lot of the skill sets that, that you're talking about, whether it be, you know, CAD work or whether it be, you know, sketching, at the end of the day, what we do as designers is we have to communicate, right, in any way that we can. I mean, if you want to build a model, if you want to get a hunk of foam and carve it out, fine. If you want to sketch it out, fine. Uh, you know, get some glue sticks and some cardboard, fine. But you have to communicate. And not only that, you have to know who your audience is, right, because... Uh, you could go, and, and, and Dell was a great example of, you know, being in meetings there, and you have engineering present, you have procurement present, you have marketing present, and you kind of have to speak to them all a little bit differently. They don't, they don't all speak your language. And so the sooner you can learn who your audience is and how to communicate to them specifically, you know, the more effective you'll be as a designer. Yeah, we've talked a lot about that before uh, in the past and some other podcasts, you know, talking, talking, using the language of the people that you're talking to. It's, a, it's important because I think, you know, when you're in design school, I, so I started off in architecture um, and I have an undergrad degree in architecture and switched into ID. And, and, and I didn't think that ID was easier than architecture. I just thought that it was a more, uh, I think that at least at the time, it felt like it had more opportunities than, than wanting to be an architect. Um, but yeah, to, you know, speaking, speaking that language, uh, of, of the people that you're presenting to, I, I know like when designers sit around and talk, it's sort of like, you know, they talk to each other one way and I've, I've heard, you know, peers young in my younger days, sort of trying to talk to engineers in that same way that they would talk to you and it, it never, they're not interested. They don't, they don't, um, they don't get it. It's, it's, it's not a good, it's not a good way to start a conversation. Well, and, and even within my sketching classes and I, I, right now I'm up to teaching three different sketching classes. So that's kind of my, my thing along with uh, teaching studios. But, uh, you know, it, it's the, you know, there's the exploratory sketching, there's the explanatory sketching and there's the emotive sketching. And each one of those types of sketching appeals to or is more understandable by a different, you know, one particular audience or the other. And so, you know, that's something that you can add to your repertoire of, of skills is, you know, here's how you communicate with these people. No, that's, that's good. I have Say that again, the three, the three types of sketching. I've never heard that phrased that way. Yeah, it, so exploratory. Okay. Explanatory okay. and emotive. Okay. 
So, you know, explanatory on one level, you might think, okay, you're talking to engineering, right? So, yeah, explain how things function, how things move, pivot, swivel. So, slightly slide, more whatever. technical approach. Slightly more technical, but in your drawings, you can have action arrows, and you can literally show how parts move. Uh, the exploratory is the kind of traditional ideation where you're just out of bounds, you know, intentionally out of bounds, just looking for some new, uh, new creative ideas. And then the emotive ones are, those are kind of the, the sketches that get people excited, right? So uh, it might be more brand related, you know, so you're introducing brand attributes. So maybe it speaks better to a marketing person. They can kind of see a, a vision they may not understand or see the final product like a or like a key shot rendering or something like that, but they could see a really cool, you know, emotive sketch to get them excited, right? You have to, you know, you have to, you know, it's important that the, the students also understand you have to sell, right? You don't just walk in the room, pin something on the wall and say, here, here's the vision, right? And... And early on, I think a lot of students kind of feel like, you know, oh, well, this, you know, this, is, this is my best idea. Well, well, no, you have to show me your best six ideas because that's what you're going to be putting in front of the client. And then that gives the, you know, because you're on a fact-finding mission. The client doesn't always know what they want. You don't always know what they want or you have certain expectations, but you have to put up a lot of variety so that they can react and say, I love concept one, but what you're doing on concept D over here with the power button on the vent pattern of the, you know, one's horizontal and one's vertical, you know, those types of things are what they react to. And, you know, you as the designer then can take those things away, go back to your studio and start, you know, other iterations of that you know, to move the design down the road. Yeah, I think uh, when I was in school, we had a really a good project that was one of my favorites, uh, where we work with the Bauer students, the, the business students. Um, and I think that ties mm -hmm. really well with everything we're saying about how you're how you have to be able to communicate to people in a different, uh, way, you know, they're, they're all about the money and how are we going to make it, make it, how is it going to be cheaper? Can we market it? Um, so I think, uh, I don't know if you guys still do that at school, but that is definitely, that was definitely one of my favorite projects. Yeah, we, we, we are continuing that and, uh, we're, we're trying to get better about, uh, some, some stabilized relationships with other corporations. Uh, we just entered into an agreement with, uh, Tramatina, which is a, a large global, they do kitchenwares, uh, don't they? Yeah, kitchen cookware company. And they're, I think the mothership is actually out of Brazil, but their U.S. headquarters is here in, uh, in Houston. So, um, so yeah, they, they've made a real commitment to our program. I mean, this is very recent. Uh, but so we'll, we'll be seeing a lot of studio projects, sponsored projects with them on the way. Tying back into industry, obviously. Is, is yeah, no, that's really cool. Yeah, that that should be fun. That should be fun for the for the kids uh, to to go through stuff yeah. like that. I know when I was in school, we didn't have any um, 
uh, programs that were sponsored or you know, worked with any 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 industry. Uh, didn't, I didn't get that until um, intern internships, when the reality of design work really sort of like you know it's completely different than what what we were doing in uh, in design studio in school. I think in grad school we had to redesign a golf cart, so that wasn't. I wasn't overly excited, but we got a free trip there out of it. <laughs> so, so Mark, I, I think one of the I would love to hear about your your kind of design journey and your career. Um, I think you've been very successful in a number of ventures, right? So, I think it would be interesting for people to hear. Okay, where did you go to school? How did you start? Let's say, how did you learn about the industrial design? Um, and then what kind of made you want to do some of the different, the various things that you've done, you know, from starting a, and, and working in a successful design firm to starting a, you know, a pet products company and then, you know, doing all these different things and being successful at all of them. So I think that would be fascinating to kind of go through that, you know, hear more about that journey. Sure. Um, well, like so many stories that you hear, I was a very late bloomer. Um, uh, I was at, uh, attending Duke University in North Carolina, uh, primarily because my brothers were there, uh, and my, my dad had graduated from there, so it's kind of a legacy thing. Uh, but it's pretty much a pre-med, pre-law, you know, blah, 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 uh, and I, that was not me. So I was an art major, okay. <laughs> a fine art major at Duke, uh, and... Uh, long, I guess long story short, the, uh, a friend of mine who was a year ahead of me was also, he was a zoology art major, uh, dual major. He graduated, found out about the ID program at NC State, which is only 25 miles away in, in Raleigh, North Carolina. And uh, I, I bumped into him my senior year on the quad. He was like, hey, you got to check out this ID thing. It's kind of cool. Uh, and my wife had been, or fiance at the time, was kind of like, you really don't want to be a street artist, you know. Uh, and so, very uncharacteristically, I did go over to uh, NC State and looked at their ID program. I started a uh, independent study with Vince Foote, who was the head of the graduate program. And uh, within six weeks, he was like, "You're in." So, no Vince was, GRE, Vince was one no of my professors. Here. As I went to NC State, yeah. Oh, is that right? I think he's still around. I oh, think he's still yeah. kicking. I, I think yeah. he's still kicking. I, I and I think he might. Always <laughs> he's pretty yeah. amazing. Okay, guy. okay. But, so hold on. So you were a senior at a different university. Yeah. You know, very close to graduating, and decided I'm going to change this all up and go do this oh, ID yeah. thing. Oh yeah, I had no, I had no vision okay. for my life at all. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I was happy, yeah. I, you know, but I was I was the youngest of, of four brothers, and three of us were at Duke, and they were very successful, and uh, and I was just kind of riding the coattails. And so, uh, when I found when I went to visit at uh, NC State, and I saw walk through the studios and saw what was going on, I still didn't understand it. But man, was it cool! I mean, I didn't know what they were doing or how they were doing it, but I, I wanted a piece of that. So, but it, you know, like I said, Vince walked me in the back door basically, 
And uh, so I, I really credit him. I mean, he saw something in me that I didn't know existed. And uh, so I credit Vince, you know, with really launching my career in, in essence. Um, so I graduated from NC State with a master's and uh, got my first so, okay, job. Okay, so hold on through, really quick. So, yeah. so you transferred uh, full t- to uh, this other NC State. Uh, no, no, I, I went ahead and graduated uh, from Duke. And, and then, then got a graduate degree. Okay, got it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, my first job was actually at a really small design firm in Kansas, believe it or not. So I, we loaded up the, uh, the 22-foot rider truck. By that time, I had one daughter and my wife with us, and we drove out there. I pulled into town, in, into Wichita, and I was like, honey, two years. That's it, two years. I, I, you know, I'm not going to make it here. And, uh, and, but I learned a lot, you know, the, the guy that had the firm there, uh, I'm sure it doesn't exist any, any longer, but he'd been around a long time, but he would hire a bunch of young designers, kind of chew them up and spit them out. And that was just the mill that he, that he had going. He didn't really care. He cared about the paycheck. He didn't care about, you know, entering stuff in design competitions or all, all the things that mattered as a young designer wanting to get out there and make a name for themselves, you know? Um, so, so sure enough, uh, after, I mean, the, the important thing that I did learn early on at that firm was how not to run a design firm. And that, that was a really important lesson, right? I, I mean, I I literally carried that with me for the next 25 years. And, uh, so, uh, during that time, I had heard from some other NC State grads who, we're down in Texas at this little startup called Compact, and uh, they were they were jumping out of Compact to start their own design firm in in Houston called Design Edge. Do I want to come work with them? So we moved down uh, in '87 to Houston, uh, and things just just blew up in a great way. I mean, we did. A ton of work for Compaq. We did a bunch of work for Apple, early Apple. Uh, we were working with NASA on space station stuff. So, I mean, it, for me, it was like being a kid in a candy store. And a side story that was really funny, I mean, you're young, you're cocky, and you're making a lot of money. Not always a great combination. Now, the owners were making a lot of money. I was kind of like the first employee, so I was like... Uh, but... Uh, one of the one of the uh, the original partners was Chip Walters, and uh, he's still there in in Austin. Uh, but he just loved Sydney. He thought Sydney was like a god, and he could he could render exactly like Sydney. I mean, he would just copy the techniques. So we had this NASA job, and Chip said, "Let's hire Sydney. I wonder how much it would cost to hire Sydney." And so, sure enough, we got in touch with Sid, and you know, we worked out the deal. And Sid flew in to Houston, and we worked side by side for a week, or a week or ten days. And uh, I mean, it was just so funny because, of course, young designer me was just like you know, giddy, like a you're a like rock a, star now. And uh, so, like they would go out to lunch, and I would stay back. I'd be like, no, no, I'll hang here. 
And I would go around to like all the trash cans where Sid threw sketches away. <laughs> right? And I would collect all the sketches and, uh, and, and keep funny. those hidden away. So, uh, but that was kind of fun. But basically, I mean, we didn't, you know, on, on a personal note, the f- my wife just really was not that enamored with Houston. And uh, so I was like, okay, you know, it's, you know, I can go anywhere. I can do anything. And, uh, you know, the guys got wind of the fact that I was out interviewing at Nike and some other places. And they were like, well, what if we move? What if we move the whole company to Austin? Because we had, we had, we had just kind of gotten in bed with Michael Dell, right? So we were doing, and, and this is before Dell was Dell. This was PCs Limited. That's, you know, so, uh, we moved over. Uh, they sent us, my wife and I, over to, to Austin to check it out. My wife loved it. And so, sure enough, we got one eighteen wheeler, went house to house because there's only three of us. Boom, off to off to Austin, and kind of the rest was history. I mean, we we followed the track that that Michael did. Right. Company. Yeah. So we we went from PCs Limited to Dell Computers to Dell to Dell. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever the the latest Dell sure, iteration sure. is. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was really kind of an exciting time to be in that business because so much right, was happening. Yeah. Uh, and ironically, you know, he, he didn't think Apple was competition. So we were able to do a ton of work for Apple at the same time we were doing this early work for Dell. And that was great fun as well. So actually, we got to see Bob Brunner. I made a presentation at Apple, Bob Brunner's first day. Oh, wow. Apple. And then a few years later, you know, here comes Golden Boy, and he's at Dell now. Oh, yeah, that's like, well, <laughs> you know, so it's, just, it's just all kind of weird. Yeah, weird, weird and, and wonderful. Yeah, that's actually time. about when I started at Dell in the late, very end of the yeah. '90s, when he he was brought in as a consultant, to, you know, to get yeah. get the ship straight, supposedly. Right. Yeah. So, a lot, definitely, a lot of history there. Uh, a lot of great history and, um, you know, as a, again, still considering myself a very young designer to, to kind of be in the throes of being able to work with Michael and, uh, you know, one, one, another kind of funny story was the fact that at one point it, it, I had made a presentation with uh, a guy that I worked with, with Chip actually, and, um, Michael comes up after the meeting and he said, hey, will you, will you do me a favor? I think I'm like, oh my God, Michael Dell wants me to do him a favor. This is awesome. Man. We're going to be best friends. <laughs> uh, and he said, just hold on. Please, you know, let me get these other people out of the room. So I'm kind of excited. He comes up and says, well, you're going back to Houston tonight, right? I said, yeah. He said, would you mind coming by my house and picking up my cat and taking <laughs> You guys were that uh, tight. He wants you to. Oh yeah, we that's, were, that's we good, were, friend. That's hey. like uh, dropping off at the airport territory right there. <laughs> I think that's better than what you were so maybe you? expecting. <laughs> so did you to get out, go by well, and get his cat? We did. Oh we did. man. And I, I don't know. I don't want you know there to be any dirty laundry or anything. But ironically, you know, the front door's open at his house and. Uh, there was like nothing in there. I mean, of course, you know, he's a young guy. He's, this is way before yeah. he's married or anything like that. And, uh, 
you know, so there's like a pilot clothes on one <laughs> side, and then he had these, these clipped corner horn speakers. Oh, like, yeah. Like sound yeah. system. Like the big, the big pizza deal. boxes on the but, floor. Uh, I don't remember <laughs> pizza boxes, but, but I got the cat, and <laughs> off we went. Are you are you from North Carolina? Is that is that why you were your family was at Duke? No, I actually grew up overseas. I grew okay. up in Germany. Uh, as a moved to Germany when I was ten, and stayed there all the way through high school, and then would travel back. Is that college. a military thing or no? No, um, no. My my dad is an opera singer. Or I should say was an opera singer, and my mom was a painter. So very kind of eclectic background, but that that put us put us in Germany for wow. a number cool. of years. And, you know, a lot of people ask, well, did that have a profound influence on your you know, going into design or anything like that? I don't I don't really think so necessarily. I mean, I was always a Dieter Rams fan, um, but I don't know if it's through osmosis or whatever that you know that. Yeah. Well, I was over there, well but, clearly you got some you know, inherited some artistic talent through your genetics, we'll say. Yeah, certainly, certainly from my mom more than my dad. I can't say that I'm a good singer. I love I love music, <laughs> but I wouldn't call myself a great yeah. musician. My, my brother, my brother's. You got don't break out in song just randomly. I do not. <laughs> Please, I, I, and I do not take requests. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so, so you were at Design Edge for a long time, then, uh, and then yeah. obviously, yeah, some. I, I don't know the story, but apparently, you know, obviously, you came into Austin, and then somehow became a owner or a part owner or some some in some fashion of the business, and then, and then you guys started a pet products company. Maybe you can sort of take it from there and give us the yeah. So the the two original partners split uh, at uh, at Design Edge, and the partner that remained with the business uh, came to me and said, "Okay, what will it take for you to, to stay on?" Because at that point, I was design director and was basically overseeing all the all the design work anyway. And I said, "Well, half the company." And uh, to his you know, grimace, he finally agreed to that, and that's that's. So that's the short story. Uh, Good for you. Uh, now, then, then, yeah. Then we brought on uh, a, another partner who was actually an engineer at Dell. And we thought that would be a good complement uh, to expanding our services. That was kind of in the heyday of, hey, a product development firm has to have IP engineering, graphics. Was that Pierce? Okay. That was Pierce. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and so, and, and Pierce and I, uh, you know, we were like brothers. I mean, we got along famously. We had the same vision. Uh, the, and the best part is his interests were not, not, not only because he was an engineer and I was a designer, but he also was very interested in numbers and the business side of the business. And uh, that allowed me to kind of stay on the creative side and not have to worry about the other and so forth and so on. And so when I mean, eventually we got to a point, I mean, you all know, you sit in these creative environments and someone stands up almost on a daily basis and says, hey, look at this. This is a cool idea. We should, we should make this. We should, we should sell this. Uh, and we came close several times to doing that uh, at Design Edge. But, you know, we, we always fell short of making that financial investment to, to really do it. 
And so eventually we kind of, Pierce and I agreed that, hey, well, let's just, let's step back and let's do some, some research. Let's go out there and kind of see where design has not really, it, it hasn't been used as a strategic differentiator in the marketplace. What, what industries would those be? And so I, I and, and that was something that, that, you know, we allowed myself to do. So I spent, I, I could, the business, design edge was, you know, on autopilot, it was cruising, it was doing great. So I spent uh, the time doing some of the research. We kept coming back to the pet industry. There were, there was a few others at the time, but this is back around 2000. If you walked into a, a PetSmart or a Petco, I mean, it was just full of crap. I mean, honestly, it was just stuff imported, you know, there was no innovation. There was no, um, there, were, there weren't any lifestyle mm-hmm. type products, you know. And so that, that was the real discovery was not so much that, you know, here's a product that we need to develop that we discovered. It was more like we need, a, we need to develop a brand. A lifestyle brand. The, the industry needs an Oakley or a Nike or whatever you want to call it. And so that was really the first thing that we did was we developed the wet nose brand. And then we decided, okay, what products would best uh, kind of exemplify or what kind of cachet do we want the brand to have? And our strategy was to develop very high-end uh, stainless steel tools that were very sculptural very, uh, not what you would expect to see out of stainless steel. Uh, we found folks in the Far East uh, that we worked with. Basically, at that time, the Koreans were like the master of stainless steel folks. And they had, we came up with a, uh, found an outfit that had a factory in China that we worked with to develop oh, okay. all those products. And so it was taken off, doing quite well. Uh, and we had other product lines that were, you know, uh, an entry-level product that was all plastic. And Target got really interested in that and brought that in. We had introduced, started introducing a mid-tier. But it, it created a lot of burden on Design Edge, right? Because all of a sudden now, there's, there's another focus. So we have uh, people doubling up on responsibilities. Mm-hmm. We have, you know, Graphic designers basically doing pro bono work to get the wetness work sure. done, and um, that's not necessarily what put the stress on the partnership. But there was a an, an event that kind of fractured the partnership, and so the agreement was uh, he would Pierce would stay with Design Edge, and then I would step out. I had, I had an investor already lined up, and uh, so I stepped out with wet nose and went with that. Uh, okay. And nice. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the best part, I mean, it's, as far as experience is concerned, the best part about the wet nose uh, aspect was that it was the one time where I had 100% control over everything creative from business card to trade show booth to product packaging to product to website to catalog sure. and 
uh, I didn't have the resources that I had at Design right. Edge anymore, right? So the burden was put on me. But at the same time, what you know, what a great learning sure. experience. You know, I, I had to rely on you know graphic design skills that had been dormant for, right, for a long right. time, and uh, you know, getting up on you know, developing websites and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it was actually really really exciting. That's got to nice. that's got to be really valuable for your input into the students and in, in their work and how they present things and think about. I guess to your point, you know, communicating and storytelling that you kind of you don't have yeah. to be an uh, you know a, a Paul a Paul Rand uh, graphic designer, but you need to have some skills and some ability to kind of put things together and really think about the whole package. Well, and and definitely. Even just from a business side, you know, as a small business owner, you're wearing all of those hats of which you had done before in a lot of ways, you know, with Design Edge and sort of growing that business. And then now you're jumping off and doing this whole new thing, wearing, wearing, wearing yeah. even more hats. So, yeah, the one thing the one thing that you learn very quick, and, and this is true uh, for a couple of other businesses that I've been in, but. It doesn't matter. I mean, what we do as designers, and I'm, I might get flack for saying this, but I mean, what we do is about 10% of what makes a successful product. I mean, and because if you don't have sales and marketing, you can have the coolest award-winning product in the world that no doesn't one's gonna know sell a damn thing. No one's going to know about it. And, and so as you contemplate building a business, uh, you really have to surround yourself with people that can fill in, can, can plug those holes. And, you know, I, I, what I tell my students all the time, too, is, look, I'm really damn good at a few things. And I'm really not good at a ton of things. Right. So it, it's more important that you know what you're not good at than it is what you are good at. And, and because then you need to surround yourself with people that, you know, that round out every facet of business that you need to be successful because you can't do it yourself. You can't do it all yourself. Or very, I would say very few people. There may be some exceptions out there. I, I don't know any on the tip of my tongue, but, uh, it really is, you know, it's a team. Yeah. It's well, a that's, team that's definitely true. And, and it, for me, it took a little bit of time to learn what I was really good at and what I was really bad at. <laughs> yeah. 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 But in, in a way, it's it, in a way it's liberating yeah. once you kind of mentally kind of dial into the fact that, oh, OK, well, now now I can really focus. Right. I can not only focus on what I do well. But I can focus on these other people and what they're sure, doing yeah. as well. Yeah, very good. So, so you did. So, what knows then? Uh, I don't. I don't know what happened. I don't know if you sold it or closed it or however that went. Yeah, what, what knows okay. sold uh, to another company up in the Dallas area, nice. and then I kind of. Uh, wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And, uh, you know, as things happen around Austin, sometimes you bump into someone. Yeah. And I bumped into a guy, uh, just, I've never met 
a more enthusiastic individual about a product idea that he has. And of course, we all know as designers, people approach us all the time with, like, I have, I have a great idea. Sure, you do. Okay. Well, you go get that patented and come back to me and tell me how great that No, but this guy, he said, no, I, I have it patented. I was like, oh, okay. So we talked more, and it was actually a residential herbicide applicator. So it was a device that on a stick, on a pole, and you could walk around, put it over your weed, pump it, and all the, the herbicide was contained within the cone. And it sounds weird, I know. Uh, but I, I mean, I kind of like weird. I, I like yeah. doing really diverse stuff, whether it's a city bus or a herbicide applicator. And uh, so I teamed up with him and helped him launch that company. And that was, uh, that was actually taking off quite well. And uh, uh, I just I maintained a little piece of that business. At the same time, I that was about the time I left to to come oh, teach as okay. well. Okay. So you know it's it's a little bit you know a little bit all over the map, but I mean I ironically I think I discovered early on. But one thing back at NC State I never wanted to do I thought was transportation. I just have no interest. Yeah, you know, I'm not a car guy. I, I just whatever. My very first stinking job at that firm in Wichita right. was a city bus. Oh, wow. <laughs> Inside and out. And within two years, I did a city bus. I did a you know, fire engine. I did a dump truck. I did a riding lawnmower. All transportation. Uh, I did, <laughs> well, all things with yeah, wheels, yeah. right? So, uh, And that's kind of what I do that actually in senior studio is generally there that, that in the fall anyway that their, their project is something, something with, with wheels. wheels. Huh? So it doesn't have to be you know yeah. a Ferrari, but it's going to yeah. have wheels. That's funny. So uh, you mentioned a little bit a while ago when you first moved from Houston to Austin that your wife wasn't too fond of Houston. So uh, now you're back in Houston. How were you? Were you able to, <laughs> how did that go? <laughs> uh, it's going better. Uh, we're actually, I mean, not that, that the location is, is that different. I mean, before we were on way on the north side uh, of town. Okay. Now we're down uh, in Pearland, which is about 20 miles yeah. south of downtown. Um, I think it's just a different perspective. Okay. <laughs> you know, we, we know uh, we're not lifers here. Well, I mean, God willing, yeah. we're, not, we're not lifers here. And so I think... Uh, when I'm done here, and I have no immediate plans, but when I'm done, you know, we'll move on. Uh, we'll find the next. I, ironically, we're we are kind of hardcore Texans, and I've raised four hardcore yeah. Texans. A lot of them rodeo, okay. married to a ranch manager. You know, I've got grandkids coming up that rodeo and ride. You know, so it's like. We're 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 here. Go I don't know away. where we're going. Yeah, but it's going to be. Well, you know, it could be far away and still be still be in Texas. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, Texarkana uh, takes a long time to drive to. Yeah, I mean, I have one daughter that's four and a half hours away uh, up in Greenville, and I have two of two of my adult kids are still in the, in okay. the Austin area. One Austin proper, and one out in the wow. All right. 
Well, yeah. Mark, it's been great talk. We're running on almost getting close to an hour. So um, we definitely appreciate you talking to us. And it's been fascinating learning more about you and your career path and all of those things. Well, I certainly appreciate yeah. it. Uh, it's always fun to, to uh, hear design stories. Yeah. yeah. If, you, if you had one bit of advice, let's say, to give to, let's say, somebody who's a recent graduate, not in school still, but, you know, just kind of getting out there, what, what would that be? Trust yourself. I think a lot of times uh, we can guess what we think we can do or what we can't do. And, um, you know, there's there's no harm in trying. You know, and get out there and get yourself in front of people. Yeah. I mean, what's the worst that can happen, yeah. right? And, you know, I tell people, you know, go on interviews. Even if you don't want that job, just the experience of going through that process is really important. Sure. Yeah, learning about other people and how to communicate yeah. with those people. So, but I think really trusting yourself is, is a really okay. Uh, it, it's something that a lot of kids are, are relatively insecure okay. about, you know, because because they're young and uh, they don't know necessarily how they how to go about yeah. trusting themselves. But follow your heart, okay. trust yourself. It's all, it's all the same. I, I would, I agree with that. And I would pair it to something you said at the very beginning, which is one of the observations you had was that, you know, some students had the passion and some didn't. Right. And I yeah, think yeah. if you have the passion, I think that carries you a long way along with trusting yourself. And if you don't have the passion, I think you need to figure out how to get it. So... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or, 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 I mean, find, find what you're passionate thing, right. about. You know, don't, don't waste the time. I mean, it sounds really harsh, but I've had that conversation with students. You know, when, when they struggle and struggle and struggle semester in, semester out, it's kind of like, you know, listen, I mean, we can approach this on a lot of different levels. Like, you know, why are you making this financial commitment to something you're that, not that you passionate know, about? Yeah. Uh, or making your parents pay for something that you're not right. passionate about, you know, go, go find it, you know, take, take some other classes in other sure. colleges and, and see if something sticks. Right. And that's fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Well, awesome. Tony and Aaron, you guys have anything else to say? Uh, yeah. I to close with. Oh, I was just going to say that it's, uh, you know, having been a student of Mark's, it's very interesting how you connect the dot, how I connect the dots now, you know, from his background to the projects that, you know, we did in school with him. And a lot of them did were, were sponsored, you know, and were pitching to actual companies and, or working, you know, like we were saying with students, business students. And, uh, I think that's really valuable. And, uh, you know, like if there's anybody listening that is looking into teaching, I think, um, you know, using those past experiences with their students is really valuable. And thank you, Mark. Yeah. Yeah. I think, thanks again, Mark. I appreciate you taking the time just to kind of talk to us and give us a little bit of your history. And hopefully we can talk some more about some different things and love to pick your brain a little bit yeah. more about, you know, students and, and, 
um, you know, what, what their expectations are and are they, are they mired in reality or not, uh, and just kind of go through that. I think there's a lot of interesting conversations and, you know, having a kid in design, certainly, you know, um, sometimes it's hard to always get the point across, but, uh, you know, there's guys like you and, 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 and ladies that are teaching that are, you know, getting the job done and certainly appreciate it. All right. It, I mean, it truly is my pleasure. I, Maybe I you can give uh, and, Tony's daughter an well, aid for... As we all should. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> Please don't. No, don't do that. Yeah. <clears throat> all right. Well, Very Mark, good. Well, thank you, Mark. Yeah, thanks again. And uh, when you when you click out, uh, allow the recording to um, finish. It'll, it, you'll see a, like a timeline. It'll... it'll...